What's going on guys? Cody Wynn and welcome to the Faith Growth Podcast. A couple of topics I want to hit today. Um, after an increasing amount of statements made to me uh, as well as about me as well as in favor of, against me, you name it, I've had it. Um, and, and the topic that I really want to hit is um, that of finances. And um, I, want, I want to share some things that are, are truth in regards to finances and things that are lies in regards to finance as well as my financial situation. So I'm going to start with my financial situation so that you can get a um, clear understanding of why the heck I'm even making this video in the first place. And then we'll kind of go from there. So I'm a business owner. I started a business a few years ago. Um, and wow, um, God has overwhelmingly blessed us beyond comprehension. Um, it's been unreal, something that's been so sobering. Uh, it's been encouraging, challenging, you name it, we've felt it. Um, and the reason for wanting to make this podcast, I'm not here to justify myself or anything. Um, I don't have any need to do that. That's Jesus justified me, um, so I don't need to justify myself. But what I do want to do is speak to some of the claims that I've heard uh, about myself as well as the relevancy of those things to you. So this isn't a podcast about me. This is rather uh, I'll talk about finances in regards to how you should see and consider finances in your own walk, uh, your spiritual walk uh, and, and whatnot. So um, first off, I, I make um, way more than I need to live off of. Um, to be transparent, again, it's not a brag or anything, but I just say that so that you can understand why these claims are being made. With that, I've had everything from... Um, that I make too much, that I'm sinning, that I love money, that uh, I'm, I'm you know, just as bad as a non-believer because of making money. Uh, but I've also had people on the flip side, um, probably more actually Christians on the flip side of that, wanting a little piece of the pie. Well, what did you do to acquire your wealth? Oh, can you help me acquire wealth? And um, that's in and of itself isn't wrong to want to be able to acquire wealth um, and generate uh, uh, um, income for your family and, and generational wealth, even at that, right? For, for years to come, for um, ages to come for your families, and um, which is awesome. So awesome. Um, can be awesome, but it also can be very dangerous. So I want to hit it on both fronts and then, and then talk from there. So I want to rewind the clocks back to about four years ago when I was working at a cupcake shop. I worked at a cupcake shop um, selling cupcakes and coffee. And um, when I worked there, I would always get from people. People would always say to me, um, yeah, so like, are you going to college during all this? And I'd be like, no. And I believe I was there already because of the Lord. I really believe the Lord planted me there uh, for, for being in a place humble, like a very humble place. I really think that was intentional. And um, so that, that was where I spent two and a half, almost three years. Um, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Um, yeah, about three years, um, if not longer, a little longer than three years. And I always got this kind of implication, insinuation that I was almost living in sin because I wasn't going to take care of my family, which I always found very goofy. I found, always found that very goofy. I was like, do you not know the Lord? Like, he'll provide. Uh, but anyways, I never like fought people on. I just shared with them what the Lord had laid on my heart and, um, and where I, was, I believed I was called to be. And then now I'm, I'm in a different space where I'm now in my current job where I'm making way more than I ever have before. And now I get people, those same people even on the other side saying, oh, 
So you make so much money. Like, have you prayed about that, right? <laughs> um, and the answer is first off, of course I have. Second off, it doesn't matter whether I have or not in regards to, to, to your life, right? But um, yeah, I have. Obviously, it's something I pray about on a weekly basis um, because it's one of those things that I want to be really sensitive of and conscientious of. But it's ironic that the same people who told me that I wasn't making enough money to provide for my family, now I make too much for my family and now I need to like, I guess give it to their church or something. Or some, I don't really know where, where they're wanting me to give it. But now I get it on the other side of that. Um, and, and first off, I just want to point out the fact and take finances out of it for a second. The irony to me is that people find so such a need in their lives to, um, to criticize others, you know? And scripture makes it clear that that is not our job to just criticize and bash and nitpick and critique others for what they're doing. Um, there's a space for um, trusting that God is bigger than what somebody else is going through, uh, sin or not. So, you know, let, let's see what, what would Jesus be doing in a scenario like this? Would he speak truth? First off, yeah, he would want to speak truth about the situation. But after that, he would also, I firmly believe, be on his knees praying and fasting for the person who's struggling, lost, condemned, deceived, etc. So people who, who are, are so quick to cast stones at somebody else without first dropping to their knees in, in, in a spot of compassion to pray for those people, I believe are really missing the mark in regards to what God's called us to do as, as the body of Christ. And I think that we would all be in a good place just in general in the body of Christ to stop criticizing each other. And this is me speaking, speaking to the choir. I need to not criticize people either. Because we spend so much time criticizing people and so little time actually encouraging, edifying, and building up people that no wonder no one really in the body of Christ, I, I don't say no one, I shouldn't say no one, but a vast, vast, vast majority of believers struggle to even understand what grace is like because they're so used to being critiqued and everything being as good as you did and all this stuff. And that's so anti-finished work. And I believe that, that if we as Christians really showed people what grace looked like and really, really intensely and intentionally loved on somebody in the midst of their failures, we would see people uh, really have a transformed heart. So if you really thought I was that deceived, then you praying and fasting for me would be much better than you just, uh, you know, calling shots or whatever. Again, I'm not upset or hurt by any of them, you know. Um, I, I, you know, you can't take my joy from me because you didn't give it to me in the first place. That was... My, my joy and, and hope and trust is found in Jesus. My peace is there, not in, in what you have to say to me. Because that would be really a bummer if my day was only as good as how you thought or felt about me that day. Then I'd just be on this emotional roller coaster every day and living at your expense. Yet the Lord, you know, gave his life so that we could live for him and, and not for you. So now all I have left is to be able to love you instead of need to be loved by you. And it just gets messy. Um, but now I want to hit the other part of this. And that is, now a lot of people are saying, well, Cody, you're making money now. Teach me something. What, what do you know that I don't know? How can I build some, some wealth for me and my family too, right? Um, and me and my friends, and how can I? I just want to be able to minister for people, uh, for people to, to, to know the Lord like you do and stuff. Um, and, and if I had those finances that you did, then I'd be able to actually make an impact for the kingdom like you could. I hear that kind of talk a lot. And I want to first off say, I have spoken to just as many people since getting my job as I did before. As a matter of fact, if I'm being super transparent, I talked to more people before because of the matters of my job. My job was just different and it was easier for me to speak to people back then because I was in front of more people. Now I speak to a less quantity of people, but the people that I talk to, I do more like discipling of them. Um, 
Like, 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 like lost people is what I mean too. Um, so my job just shifted for that. And then in public, you know, that, that precedent is still there that I'm supposed to represent Jesus everywhere I, I am and glorify him and, and, and preach truth and love to people. So that, that hasn't changed at all. That literally is not even moderately different than it ever has been. It's been, always been the exact same thing. It's always been the exact same thing. Always. It's never changed. Uh, and in my life, it hasn't changed either. I just keep getting more in love with Jesus every single day. So, um, first point I'm trying to hit with that is to say, your financial situation has nothing to do with your ability to glorify God. Uh, if you look at, in, in Matthew 25 of the, the parable of the talents, one was given one, one was given two, and one was given five. We don't give an explanation as to why one was given more than the other. Um, but what we do know is they all received a reward who were obedient. Uh, they were all received a reward and all were honored by God and given the exact same answer by God with what they did. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter to the joy of your master's rest. All were given the exact same answer. Regardless of how, what they did, or regardless of the, the, the impact that the, the money had, right? Because the five turned into 10, that's way more than two turning into four. Way more, right? The two that turned into four is still less than the five originally, and the five turned into 10, right? So um, it has nothing to do with it. It has to do with you being a steward of what you already have. So God is not asking you to get more money to start becoming a steward, but rather scripture talks about stewardship in regards to being a steward over what you already have ownership over, right? That's what stewarding is. Literally being a steward is you being a manager of something. That's what the Greek word steward means. It means you possessing something, you in ownership, you being a manager over it, and you are called to, to rule over that in the way that you believe fit to do so, which is also really cool. Scripture never told them, the master never told them how to invest their money, to reinvest their money. All he said was to do something with the money that was given to them. Um, and if you are in a place right now where you are, are not being a good steward of where you are, if you're complaining about your job and just begging for God to give you the next job, if you're complaining about college and saying, oh, once I get my actual job, then I'll be able to glorify God. If you're whining because you're in, in children's ministry and you want to be in youth ministry and are on the worship team or something like that, then that right there is showing, it's a dead giveaway that you aren't at peace or satisfied or being a good steward more than likely of where God already has you. So what you need to do is instead say, God, I am, I, just start right now and just say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't stewarded where you have me because I recognize you have me where I am so that you can take me to a different place. Did you know that God wants to elevate you? And before you think I sound like some other preachers out there that preach kind of funny stuff, what I mean by that is God wants to make you steward over more. That doesn't mean more finances. That doesn't mean a bigger house, cooler cars. That means that he wants you to be a good steward of what he has given you so that he can give you more to be a good steward of. Do you have a ministry where a small group where you're ministering to two, two, two girls, you and two girls? Well, great. Then, then the Lord wants to bring you four girls. And then after that, he's going to want to bring you eight girls. And then after that, he's going to bring you 16 girls. That's stewardship. And that is reproduction. That is kingdom biblical multiplication that we see in Matthew 25. Obviously, that's also about finances. But the point isn't about you making more money. The point is about you being a steward of what God has given you. Period. End of discussion. And you can never expect God to really make an impact in where you are financially in the future if you're not already being a good steward of the money he's already given you. 
And even at that, God, again, never mentions in regards to you stewarding your finances in such a way that those will be elevated. Your New Testament Bible will never, ever, ever even imply or insinuate that. You can't even try to twist that. Here's one of the clearest ways that I know. Well, before I even go into that, I want to make that point clear. God's asking you to be a good steward of where you are with what you're doing so that he can give you more to manage with the sole purpose, you got to hear this, with the sole purpose of bringing, winning more souls to Christ. Can money do that? Absolutely. Do you need money to do that? Absolutely not. Ask Peter in Acts 2. 3,000 came to the Lord that day. Acts 4, 5,000 people came to the Lord. You absolutely do not need to have finances to be able to make a massive move of God. Can it help it? Can it push it even further, faster, quicker, more intensely? Absolutely it can, and it can be used as an incredible tool, but it is just that, a tool. Next thing I wanna to say to give you some perspective. No, I have not heard anybody out of the sphere of, of people that I spend my time with. I've never heard somebody mention this point ever in my life, and I don't know why. Jesus and the 12 disciples we're talking about some of the most spiritually sound people ever. I'll throw Paul in there at 13th. These are some of the most spiritually sound people. Ananias and Sapphira, right? Uh, Barnabas, Timothy. And these people were dead broke. Jesus, homeless, jobless. 12 disciples, homeless, jobless. Paul, homeless, jobless. He was making tents for a while, but he said later he wish he wouldn't have even done that. Homeless, jobless. There is more argument for you in scripture to not have any finances rather than you making a lot of money. I need you to hear what I just said. There's more biblical precedence in your New Testament for obedience looking like you having no money versus you having money. Right? When we look in scripture at people who had money, right? There's a wee little man in a tree, dines with Jesus, and he says that he's going to give back I forget exactly the percentage, but a massive percentage. I think he said fourfold of everything that he took from people, that he would give that money back, right? We see uh, that the widow's two mites was more of a giving, was more giving rather than uh, all of the people who had given that day who had plenty more money that they gave. Why? Because God cares about your heart. God cares about your heart behind why you want money and why you're giving money. I might be able to financially give more than you, but if my heart's not in a better place than yours, then God doesn't care about it, right? Um, God cares about where your heart is. And we need to be really, really, really intentional and cautious when it comes to the topic of money. Just as it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Matthew 19, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. It's extremely difficult for you to have finances and to serve Jesus effectively because so many people let the riches of this world, Matthew 12, entice them and pull them away from the move that God is asking them to do. Scripture says in the Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You desiring um, to have more is a very, very dangerous thing unless it's from the kingdom. More of the kingdom is different, but more of finances, more of worldly stuff, very dangerous thing for you to desire. Uh, and it doesn't mean that money's a bad thing. Again, money's a tool. I, I don't feel like I'm condemned for having money. I don't believe that I'm sinning for having money or making more money than somebody else does, but I'm extremely cautious about it. And I want to encourage you to be the same way. Why are you going to college? 
Is it a lack of faith in God? I'm not saying it is, but I'm just asking, is it a lack of faith in God? Uh, uh, Why are you trying to save up for retirement? Is it because you don't think that God can provide? Like there's so many questions that you should be asking yourself in regards to these things. It's extremely, extremely, extremely important to consider. And if you're not considering these things, then we can be making a very, very um, swift decision out of selfish ambition versus out of trying to make the kingdom grow. Every decision that you make outside of the intentionality of the kingdom growing is sin. Everything that we're supposed to be doing in our lives is for the purpose of growing God's kingdom, not our own. I'm going to look before God one day on the day of judgment. Look him in the eyes. And he's not going to say, hey, bro, how'd your business go, man? That was sick. He's not going to care. He's going to say, were you a good steward with what I gave you? You had a business. Did you talk to people about Jesus? You had a calling to live out. Did you even fulfill it or were you so busy making money you couldn't even think about it? God's going to ask me that on the day of judgment. He's going to ask you a really similar question. He might not be as emphasizing on on finances necessarily, but he's going to ask you if you were a good steward with what he gave you. I need to be a good steward financially. I need to be a good steward with my time, with my resources, with just in general, my stewardship. God has asked me to steward everything he's given me. And if I'm not doing that, then I've fallen short of what God's called me to. Let it encourage you. Don't let that be a discouraging, condemning thing. But really just, whoa, fact check. Like, like, oh my gosh, is that me? Let's not make it me anymore. God, change me, change my heart. Guys, this is not supposed to doom and gloom, beat you up. This is supposed to say, whoa, am I thinking that way? Awesome. Well, if that was me, it's not me anymore. Now I'm going to drop to my knees, say, God, get that crap out of here. I'm done with that kind of stuff. And I'm going to run the race well with endurance, laying aside every sin and encumbrance which so easily entangles me, but keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, not money, not job, not career, not wife or husband, not house that I'm going to live in, not where I'm going to work. Fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He's given that so that we can sit down at the right hand of God to consider him who endured such hostility among himself so that you do not grow weary in well-doing. If you do as Jesus did, we're going to be in good shape. If it hasn't been you, make it you. God's empowered you through the grace that he's given you through his Holy Spirit to be able to change in those things. And he loves you and he wants to see it come true in your life. Amen. Appreciate it, guys.